Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Scary Story Podcast brings original, short, scary stories right to your ears every week. Like Dead of Night, the story of a man who moves into a new apartment building only to discover its sinister foundation. Or another recent one, The Delivery, where a man discovers a family secret hidden in plain sight. Have you ever listened to a scary story that lingers as if it reminds you of a long-lost memory? My name is Edwin Covarrubias, host and writer over at Scary Story Podcast, where every episode brings you a short, original scary story every week. The stories are read just like this, me telling you a frightening story that will blur the lines between this and the world of hauntings, ghosts, experiences that defy logical explanation. You can join us by searching for Scary Story Podcast on your app right now. It's the show by Scary FM. I'll see you over on Scary Story Podcast. Hello, I'm Blair Bathory, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Whether this is your first time or you're one of the brave souls who join us every week. We recently celebrated Veterans Day, a time to pay tribute to our courageous military veterans who have selflessly defended our nation. Despite their incredible bravery, it is undeniable that these veterans have witnessed a great deal of death. And with death, often come haunting tales filled with both fascination and terror. Today, we are delighted to bring you some of these accounts in one of the most popular podcast miniseries, Ghosts of War, Part 4. First, a call from the dead followed by the hauntings of Fort Monroe. Finally, in our featured story, Man versus Monster. Before we get to our stories, I wanted to ask you to please rate and review the podcast. You can pause and do it right now, or you can do it after you've listened. But don't forget, it's really helpful to us, and we would be so grateful. It only takes a minute. And I always forget to ask, but it's one of the most important things you can do to ensure we can continue to grow our podcast. So, wanna hear something scary? Ghost of War. Have you ever felt an odd connection to something or someone in the past? Be weary of following those instincts because you might end up face to face with the image of death. Like in this story from the Bath Blitz, inspired by Selena. It was April 25th, 1962, when David Bourbon Jr. found himself wandering the streets at an early hour. He wasn't entirely sure why he was out there to begin with, he felt a sickening pull as he tried to fall asleep. A strange feeling churned his stomach. He had been tossing and turning for hours, then finally gave in to his gut feeling that he needed to take a walk in the chilly spring air. 
he wandered the streets of Bath, England. It was filled with old beauty and also tragic history. During the Second World War, 60,000 British civilians lost their lives in the Blitz. That number could very well be higher as, unfortunately, when a person is killed in such a way, they are often found mutilated or unrecognizable if there is a body left at all. The city of Bath had escaped much of the wrath of Nazi Germany because much of it is focused on the neighboring city of Bristol. Bristol had a functioning port, factories, and a train line that ran through the heart of Britain, making it a prime target. But all of that would change. After the Royal Air Force annihilated Lübeck and Rostock, Hitler declared that certain cities would suffer a similar fate. True to his vile words, Bath was bombed on the 25th of April, 1942, exactly 20 years prior to the date David found himself wandering the streets. The moonless night hung above David, which didn't make the city any less creepy. He slowly but surely made his way through the empty streets to the famous old abbey in the center of his hometown. Luckily, he carried his light in case he needed it as he made his way through the dark alleyways. A shiver ran down David's spine as he looked towards a dark spot in the shadow of the Roman baths. He heard the outlandish tales of ghosts confined to the shadows waiting to scare anyone in its vicinity. A story to tell children who wouldn't behave. That being said, David's mother believed in the ghost. She believed it so much that she refused to approach the sinner during the day, let alone at night. She had only recently told David of the night that Bath burned. Mental images of unknown faces melting alive or humans being blown to pieces flickered to the front of his mind. All it took was the scent of burnt meat to throw his mother into panic before she would faint. She had vivid memories that haunted her. David shook his head, returning to the present. He was riling himself up with terrible thoughts. He reminded himself he never believed in ghost stories anyway. As reassurance, he lifted his light and flicked its switch. His heart stopped as he took in the sight before him. A terrifying crimson splatter on the walls was enough for him to drop the light, and the glass smashed as it collided with the cobblestone pavement. David turned to run when he found himself staring into two empty, bleeding sockets. The decaying face was twisted in terror, agony, and rage. The man's torso was ripped open from shoulder to pelvis, with the gore spilling out and attracting flies. The navy blue fireman's uniform was caked in stale blood. The only indicator of the man's year of death was in the tin helmet that sat on his head with a worn white AFS on it, standing for Auxiliary Fire Services. A horrifying moan came from him as he reached out and held onto David's shoulder. He clutched him close. It didn't seem like he was trying to hurt him, but hold on for dear life. Lights flickered in the sky, a strange humming sound emitted from the clouds. It was the same humming that would cause his mother to freeze when clips from the war were played on the television. The fireman in blue screamed in anguish at the sky, and David felt his vision fade. When he came to, he was in the hospital bed. His mother sat by his side. 
Thank God you're all right. She cried in relief. I should have known you would wander off to the Abbey eventually. Why didn't I insist on you coming over? She berated herself loudly. David had no idea what she meant. She leaned in close and whispered, There's a reason I never go to the Abbey. You were just a baby, and your father was helping us escape the city, but he stayed back to volunteer. That was the night he died. David's body tensed as she continued. Your father always prided himself on his tidy uniform, although the paint on his helmet was a bit worn. After he died, I noticed that weird things would happen in the planes that flew over. The window in a shop would spontaneously shatter, or the men in the immediate area would suddenly freeze and faint. I knew it was your father, though. He didn't scare me. From what I was told, he was trying to stop a fire from spreading to the abbey when he was killed. A piece of shrapnel ripped him nearly in two. I'm afraid if I go there, I'll further disturb his spirit. After that, David Jr. never walked by the abbey in the dark again in fear that the spirit, who he now knew as his father, would appear once more. What would you do if you had the opportunity to connect with a deceased loved one? Would you try anything to stay in constant contact with them? Or would you want to let your soul rest in peace and move on? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When wandering the grounds surrounded by the ancient walls of Fort Monroe, you can't help but wonder if you're ever truly alone or if you're always in the company of the departed. Like in this story, inspired by the true account of Heather McCann. As the clock struck 10 p.m., the moonlight cast dark shadows across the ancient walls of Fort Monroe, Virginia. I, along with two skeptical colleagues, had agreed to explore the haunting legends that came from the historic military installation. Our guide, Heather McCann, the deputy public affairs officer at the fort, led us past the casemate museum, and her voice trembled as she confessed. I don't come through here at night. She clearly knew something that we did not. Dimly lit lampposts offered some solace, but the sense of fear hung heavy in the air. McCann pointed towards a window in one of the closed-off rooms, where a curtain was inexplicably parted. That curtain should never be 
Pardon, she whispered, her voice barely audible. She believed it was a sign of a ghostly presence. I dared to ask the ethereal inhabitant to reveal its name. In that deafening silence, a sudden gasp from McCann startled us all. (gasps) Something just touched me, she declared, her face ashen. She tried to brush it off as a large bug, but I couldn't see anything bigger than a gnat around us. This unsettling incident was just one of many that plagued Fort Monroe, particularly in the vicinity of the buildings within the moat. Apparitions from the Civil War era were the most frequently seen and heard, although the fort's history dated back to 1608, when its official construction completed in 1834. Originally established as a peacetime garrison for 600 soldiers, Fort Monroe evolved to support over 5,000 soldiers during the Civil War. The legendary story of Jefferson Davis, wrongly accused of conspiring to assassinate Abraham Lincoln, unfolded within these walls. He was imprisoned at the fort and took evening walks along the ramparts. His wife, always vigilant, watched from a nearby house to ensure his well-being. To this day, Davis's ghost roams the ramparts at night, and the window in the house where his wife stayed occasionally vibrates with her spectral presence. As we walk past another haunted location, quarters number one, my colleague began to panic when she felt the temperature drop. Apparently, that was normal when spirits were near, and the ghost of Abraham Lincoln likes to visit those quarters often, McCann said. I, however, felt nothing. I couldn't help but think everyone was putting on a show just to get into the spirit of haunted things. McCann continued to tell us a team of paranormal investigators captured electronic voice phenomena inside the house, including the recording of a little girl calling for her cat, Greta. Despite being used for office space now, workers have reported seeing the specter of a gray cat disappearing around corners. Jane Polinski, an author and former resident, have been collecting ghost stories about Fort Monroe since her own eerie encounter in the 1960s. She lived across from the Casemate Museum, where she heard a hard knocking at her back door one night. I thought, what is my dog doing? Polanski said. But when she went to let her dachshund in, she was greeted by a man in an antiquated uniform. He was in her home, his arms casually resting on the fireplace mantle. She was stunned. He just looked at her arrogantly and then disappeared, just like that. Her heart racing, she ran through her living room and out the front door. The Chamberlain Hotel was another hotspot for ghostly activity. Esmeralda, the ghost of a ship captain's daughter, was often sighted on the eighth floor, patiently waiting for her father's return. A mysterious figure in a top hat was occasionally seen on the hotel's porch, a spectral shadow believed by some to be Edgar Allan Poe. Poe, who briefly served at the Fort Monroe as a sergeant major of the artillery. Paranormal activity wasn't limited to the past. Recent reports mentioned a haunting that had begun just two months ago and was still ongoing. The resident of a house built in the early 1900s on the base had experienced inexplicable phenomena. Their family pets, initially weary of the house, clung closely to their human family members an unusual behavior for them. Soon after moving in, 
strange occurrences became commonplace. A camera disappeared from its usual spot and reappeared under the sink in the bathroom. Unexplained sounds of doors closing were heard at night, accompanied by disembodied footsteps and voices. The resident described how they'd catch glimpses out of the corner of their eye, with one sighting of a woman tending to a crib in an upstairs dressing room, dressed in what seemed to be Victorian-era attire. I burst out laughing. There she was, the woman in the Victorian-era costume. Bravo. They staged an actress in everything just to try and scare us. I looked around and no one else was laughing or slightly amused. In fact, they all looked rather perplexed. I pointed to the woman in the window. It was clear. They saw nothing. My heart fluttered and I lost my breath. I was looking at the face of a dead woman that only I could see. I began to hyperventilate. The others tried to calm me. McCann said the woman was harmless. The family that lived there never felt threatened. Instead, they believed they were sharing their home with a benign family presence, perhaps awaiting a soldier's return. It feels like a family dwelling, and you very much feel at home. There's no bad feeling to this house at all. It's not malignant, the resident explained. Somehow, that didn't make me feel better. And still, I can't convey how real it was. As we wrapped up our tour, McCann led us to the ramparts. Our photographer aimed the camera at the moonlight expanse and witnessed a sudden, blinding flash through the viewfinder. When she looked up, nothing was there. Yet, she peered through the viewfinder again. The inexplicable light had vanished. That was bizarre, she remarked the shivers running down her spine. The mystery of Fort Monroe's ghosts remain, as did the history and legends that had accrued over the centuries. The closure of the fort couldn't erase the lingering presence of those who had once called it home, be they Union soldiers, former prisoners, or star-crossed lovers from the past. And as we left the haunted fort that night, we had each experienced something that made chills go down our spine. But I understand if you need to see it to believe it. Have you ever taken a tour of any of the old forts or battlegrounds in your own country? Were you just taking in all the sights? Or did your experience go beyond the history books to a full-on supernatural encounter? If so, tell us your story by sending us an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. When faced with the horrors of war, you must be sure you stand with a strong moral compass or else the evil will infect your soul. Like in this story based on a true account inspired by Igloo 444. Campbell was a British infantryman in the Second World War. He had just turned 21 when he enlisted to serve his country. He thought joining the military would give him opportunities to see exotic locations around the world. But he was never deployed to the Pacific. Instead, he ended up practically in his own backyard in Switzerland. And he had no idea what an absolute nightmare that would be. During the war, Switzerland did its best to remain neutral but was sought after by both the Allied and Axis powers. 
when Germany initiated acts of aggression against the country, the United Kingdom sent reinforcements to keep them safe from the Nazi regime. That was how Campbell and his company found themselves stationed in a remote village in the Swiss Alps. It was a secluded village of about 500 people. Part of the location's advantage was that it was difficult to get to and therefore had little chance of a surprise invasion by Nazi Germany. However, this was also a disadvantage because it made communication with the rest of the Swiss military very difficult. Even though they were surrounded by the enemy, there was something terrifying about those tall, ominous mountains. As the cold winter set in in 1943, a series of blizzards swept through the region and completely destroyed the few lines of communication they had. Essentially trapped in the isolated Swiss village without being able to make contact with the rest of the army, the captain decided it would be best to uphold the standing orders and continue defending the village. Weeks passed. Any roads to the outside were buried in seven to nine feet of dense snowfall. Winter grew colder and darker. The leaves were stripped from the trees and the bare trunks protruded from the mountainside like broken ribs. The town was nestled between two large mountains and sunlight only directly reached the town for a few hours each day making the soldiers feel as if they were living in a state of perpetual dusk. One night, Campbell was at the town bar with his men when they noticed the locals staring at them and whispering secrets. One of the soldiers translated the Italian. The locals started to notice a series of strange incidents. Pieces of wood and tarps disappeared from the sheds. Valuables were stolen from their homes. One man claimed that his family heirloom a handmade ceremonial halberd, similar to a traditional Swiss war axe, had disappeared from above his fireplace mantle. It all began after the British army arrived, so they blamed them for the stolen goods. Campbell reported back to their captain, who did a vigilant sweep of his men. He believed they were telling the truth. No one had possession of any of the missing items. They were there to defend the villagers, not harm them. But everything escalated one night when Campbell was back in the bar and a villager began screaming at them. The children! He yelled in an accent. The translator spoke to him. With a horrified face, he relayed the message. There were children missing. They quickly fetched the captain. It was uncovered that a week prior, one child had gone missing. They thought it was probably an accident. Maybe the kid got buried in the snow when he shouldn't have been out or was eaten by a wolf. Unfortunately, sometimes those tragedies happen, but then more went missing. The villager who entered the bar, who looked especially upset, was the father of two young boys who had gone missing two days before. He had searched everywhere for them, even rounded up a posse of his fellow townspeople to join the effort, but they couldn't find a single clue as to what had happened to the children. The captain told the villagers he would begin sending some of his men to patrol the streets each night, looking for whoever or whatever the culprit was behind all the strange thefts and abductions. Later that night, Private Reginald disappeared from the barracks. Disappearing children was one thing, but a grown man? Rumors began to surface that there was some sort of monster living in the mountains that came down at night to feast on the occupants of the village. Despite the nightly patrols ordered by the captain, the disappearances kept occurring. 
Reginald was the only adult victim of whatever was preying on the village. The rest of the victims were all young kids between the ages of five and 10. All in all, seven children vanished from the town. Everyone was suspicious. One explanation Campbell overheard was that impoverished villagers were actually selling their own children to human traffickers for extra cash. But even that didn't make sense because the roads into and out of the town were still blocked by snow. Three more weeks passed without incident. At this point, it was early spring and the snow began to thaw. That night, Campbell was on patrol with two other soldiers. It was sometime past midnight when they noticed a figure peering into the bedroom window of one of the villagers' houses. They were on the opposite street. So at first, the figure looking through the window didn't see the patrol. Campbell then yelled at the prowler and it immediately tore itself away from the window and headed for the mountains. Everyone in the patrol was certain that this was what was behind the disappearances and break-ins. They pursued the suspect through the melting snow and ice in the dead of night, screaming at whatever it was to stop. They kept running and running, and soon they found themselves on the outskirts of the village, where the snow was still fairly deep. The figure fell through the ground. It looked like it had vanished into thin air at first. But as the patrol grew closer, they realized that the prowler had jumped into a cave that had been hollowed out in the side of the snowdrift. Just as the soldiers began yelling into the cave for the figure to come out and show itself, several shots fired and exploded out of the entrance to the snow cave. Without thinking, Campbell and the rest of the patrol shouldered their weapons and all began firing into the hole. Silence. They waited for what seemed like hours, but it was really just a couple of minutes one incredibly brave member of the patrol volunteered to climb into the cave and investigate. He drew his pistol, kneeled down, and crawled into the cave. Several seconds later, he emerged with a completely horrified expression on his face. Campbell took out his flashlight and shined it into the cave, revealing the gruesome explanation behind the strange occurrences in the town. There was Reginald, shot through the heart, and surrounded by the bodies of seven half-eaten children. The chilling revelation left the soldiers and villagers in a state of shock and terror, as they realized that something far more sinister and monstrous than they could have ever imagined had been lurking in the depths of the snowy Swiss Alps, preying on the innocent and leaving a trail of unspeakable horror in its wake. Which is more frightening, being in a secluded area where you have no connection with the outside world or the thought that someone you trust might actually lose their mind? This week's podcast stories were edited by Sarah Lukasiewicz, narration by Blair Bathory, audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Produced by Anna Villalobos. Executive produced by Gail Gilman. Music by Sapphire Sindalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, 
join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my spooky friends, sweet screams. Ha, ha, ha.